Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Hey, everybody. Chad Madden here with the Grow Your Practice podcast. And today, we have a very special guest, uh, our first doctor of podiatry ever um, on this podcast. So uh, very excited for this. And our guest today is Dr. Donald Pelto. Uh, Dr. Pelto owns uh, podiatry practice in the, let's call it the greater Boston area, uh, which we'll get into here in a second. Has a, a fascinating story on how he got started in podiatry and his travels. And the other thing uh, that uh, Dr. Pelto is an expert in is marketing, specifically around patient education. Has a phenomenal uh body of work around here, has been doing it for a long time, and we're going to talk with him here today. So welcome to the podcast here, uh, Don. Great. Hey, thank you, Chad. Appreciate you you having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. So let's start uh, in the very beginning. How did you become a podiatrist? So I, it, it, the way I became a podiatrist is I think my parents always wanted me to become some type of a doctor. There were some nurses in the family. And I think a lot of us, we try to fulfill our parents' desire in some sense of that word. And, but I didn't really think I could do it. My confidence level wasn't that high until I was an exchange student to Brazil. And when I went there, I lived with three different host families and, and they tended to be middle to upper class. And most of them were, were doctors or professionals. And for the first time I saw that it was really possible. And then when I came back, I was, I was pre-med and I, and I started to shadow some doctors because everyone, everyone that I read, cause I was already into, you know, personal development books and everyone talked about uh, shadowing and modeling and seeing who you'd like in interviewing people and talking to them. And I, and I went and visited a lot of doctors. There was one doctor in, in Indiana. I was visiting Indiana in those days. His name was Dr. Hoover. And I got to his practice and he invited me in. He had six or seven treatment rooms and he saw older people, little kids, uh, he did some surgery procedures. He had a house next door where he used to play saxophone in his jacuzzi with the residents. And so he was just kind of this eclectic guy. And I was like, wow, he, he was really happy. And, and then I started to meet some other docs. And, I, and I, then I interviewed some primary cares and some, some other type of surgical specialties. And by far, the podiatrists, they were just the happiest. They had the best lifestyle. And, that, and that's how I kind of got into it. That's great. Uh, so you found your mentors. Um, what were some of the early books that you were reading that influenced you the most? Um, just yeah. out of curiosity. You know, Chad, maybe a lot of us are come from dysfunctional backgrounds. So I always grew up with um, the road less traveled in my mom, in my, in my house with my parents. And Scott Peck. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when I was young, I like everyone nowadays, we call it bullying. I just called it being in middle school. Uh, I, <laughs> I was bullied. And that's where I kind of got into doing magic so I could become popular. Right. So I wanted to do something that would set me apart. And that's where I got into that. And then I, I, my first books were How to Win Friends and Influence People. That was one of my first ones. Um, then I, I, I read um, The E-Myth was one of the early ones that I read. This, these are like high school books. I'm reading these things. These are in high school. And I was interested in personal development and Dale Carnegie and Napoleon Hill and things like that. That's where I was interested more in self-help. Later on, I got interested in marketing because I found it was applied psychology and I was much more interested then in the future in marketing. Yeah, great. So you decided to become a podiatrist thanks to Dr. Hoover and the experience of the, the saxophone and the jacuzzi. That sounds uh, pretty special. Um, it, I, I believe you went to Shoal, right? Yeah, in Chicago. 
Yeah. And you graduated from there. So you have your degree in podiatry. And then how did you end up in Massachusetts? I, in, 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 uh, in residency, you get to, or in, in school, you get to apply to different residencies. And I actually wanted the, there was a program in, in Chicago called the Loretto program. It was a two-year residency. And there was a difference back in my day between two and three-year surgical residencies. And I was like, all I want to do is practice management. I want to, I want to grow a practice. I'm not really interested in all the big surgical things. And so I, I applied to this one in Chicago and they said it was mine. And I'm like, okay, just apply to that one. It was mine. And they didn't even rank me because I didn't end up going there. And I was disappointed. They came back later, offered it. And I'm like, I don't want that. And then I think, well, where else would I go? And then I thought, well, I, I did live some time in Brazil and I looked where the biggest Brazilian populations were because I wanted to work with Brazilians or I thought I wanted to work with Brazilians. I've come to find out they're, I'm married to one. They're great people. They just don't have insurance. And, and I, my gig is insurance really. And so I can't see them. So I, I was either going to Florida or Massachusetts and I, and I took a trip out here to Massachusetts and I was like, hey, this is great. There's a lot of Brazilians. And uh, that's why I ended up in Worcester. Nice. And uh, thank you for the correct pronunciation there. I've been there within the last year. I, I actually travel up to Boston every three months. We didn't talk about that before, but uh, yeah, I'll be up again there uh, shortly. So I'll have to come visit. Um, yeah, Worcester, beautiful beach. I remember uh, there was an island where mm -hmm. we stayed. Very cool. Um, and uh, yeah, there's also, I never put this together before, but there is a, so I do a Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Okay. And uh, there's a, one of the most popular gyms in the world is uh, Bernardo Faria, and he, he's in Boston there, uh, fairly close to where you're at. So um, you have a practice. How long have you been in uh, your practice now? Uh, I finished Washington? residency in 2009. Mm -hmm. And then like most of us, we do a three-year buy-in. So I worked with my, my buddy, uh, Neil Feldman, for three years, and then we do a five-year buy-in. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's why so I've been there since 2009. Okay. So you're a partner and you have another partner there as yeah. well? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And how did you get started in marketing? So marketing, I think marketing actually started when I, when I, I got spoiled back in the day when I started to do magic. So I, I wanted, I, this is my backup gig. I wanted to be a professional magician. Okay. And, uh, and when I went to Brazil, I, I had doves, I did all these shows and I thought this, and the thing I liked about magic is I could do one show for an hour and make five or $600. I was thinking there's no other way that I could earn so much money, hardly working at all. And I, and I got spoiled. And then when I, when I got into podiatry, into medicine, I was thinking, well, you can earn a lot then. And then that's what got me even more into marketing. So how can I, you know, continue to, to, to do that. And so I forgot the question. I, I was telling the story. What were we going to? How'd you get into marketing? So then I, so then I was always interested in, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the um, self-help. Then when I got into residency, I started to listen to, I love marketing, uh, Joe mm -hmm. Polish and Dean Jackson. Yep. And I, if you get that, the book of the first 50 episodes, my name is in there. I paid the 50 bucks or so to put my name on the cover that went out into space or something like that. And I used to listen every week to, I love marketing. And all of a sudden my world blew up because I started to hear about people like uh, Dan Kennedy. And I started to listen to uh, learn about a lot of other people. And I just kind of delved in because the funny thing is even before I got out of residency, I had built my own first website. I'd started, I had patient protocols and I didn't know how to treat anything, but I had protocols on how to treat everything before I even got out. And I got a little critiqued because the, all the doctors said, you know, Don, you should be focusing more on surgery here and less on the, the business aspect. But I've, I've just always liked the marketing and the business aspect. And even in those days, I started saying, hey guys, we should do presentations for our patients. And, and that's the one thing I learned. I shouldn't tell people because most people are naysayers in, in a profession. 
And if you tell them it was a great idea and I got the idea from an actual um, insurance and salesman. And I was reading one of my books and they talked about this guy had a whole life presentation, a regular life insurance presentation. He did these presentations and it made it super easy to explain things to his customers. And I'm like, we can do that in podiatry. But they naysayed me, so I, I didn't do it until like recently. So I got into marketing, listening. I was, I had my, you're going to laugh. I have my, um, it, it, they call it 1-800 numbers, but basically a 1-800 number. If you have a, a plantar foot wound, a foot wound, dial number one, if you want to learn about neuropathy, dial number two, if you want to learn about how to offload, dial number three. And so my first YouTube videos were back in those days where I was educating on how to treat diabetic neuropathy, ulcers. My first podcast, which I bombed on, was heal your foot wound fast. Okay, what I didn't realize, first of all, it was a podcast and how are you gonna show foot wounds? Second, um, people weren't gonna really pay for it and they're the worst demographic because they're totally non-compliant. So I was trying to, that was my first podcast. I learned it, you know, I was one of those learning experiences. Yep, there's a, there's a famous Joe Polish story where I think he was selling uh, carpet cleaning. Uh, the, this was like his uh, his landmark story at one point, and he's working with Dan Kennedy, and Dan says, "Show me where you're trying to sell," because he was failing. And they they go around. And he said, "Yeah." He said, "Nobody here is going to buy carpet cleaning. Like you need to change your demographic where you're advertising." Um, and then they ran, ended up running very successful campaigns, and Joe Polish went on to build a huge company, and now is helping lots of people with marketing. Love that. Uh, so. The, the other thing that I want to talk about, you mentioned the naysayers. That is something that I hit. Um, I remember when I started sharing, my, you know, just this whole world of, oh my gosh, we can be in control of our own practice growth and we can create patient demand via patient education. And we can do this in a, a very healthy way where I don't feel like, you know, we're doing false sales or trying to convince people. And I, I sensed a lot of my colleagues and peers were very hesitant around studying marketing because they didn't want to appear salesy um, or over the top in any way. How did you overcome that? How did you start looking at, you mentioned the insurance salesman, how did you overcome, you know, uh, my business is different. I'm a podiatrist. I'm not an insurance salesman. How can I take those principles? Obviously you overcame a lot there, Don. How did you do that? I, I liked, I, well, I'll tell you one of my criticisms I, I got. I was, I was doing YouTube videos and this gentleman, he's another one of my colleagues, and I was showing how to do an ingrown toenail procedure. And uh, what, what Joe Polish always said, he said, when you look at people, what they put on their CDs are the best songs. The ones that are on the radio are the best songs and they'll still buy the whole CD. And he was saying, he was done, you're giving away our trade secrets. All the primary cares are gonna learn how to do ingrown toenails and, and we're not gonna have any business anymore. I said, hey, no, what they're gonna do is they're gonna know they want to, don't wanna do it. They're gonna, and they're gonna send them all to me. And I didn't say they're gonna send them all to me because I don't, I don't speak that way, but that's what I was thinking. And uh, so I was showing them, I, and, I, and I show everything, how to do everything in treating plantar fasciitis. If ever any new doctors or anyone wants to learn it, I teach everything because they're gonna to come to see me. And so in the beginning, people, they, 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 even to this day, even to this day, my partner, he doesn't have the same, we're different mindsets, right? If it was up to me, I, I would spend all the money in the whole practice. That's why it's really good to have a partner that's different. You know, we, there's a check and check and balance. Otherwise I'll just do all this crazy stuff. I'm a very high quick start and high follow through. And uh, so people were a little negative, but I, the first person I talked about these presentations with, I'm like, Hey, you know, we should, we should do, I remember this was a gentleman I was visiting. And so another thing I did during residency, I think there's new residency rules at the residency in Worcester. And it's because of me, because 
whenever I wasn't in surgery, I was in someone's private practice because I knew that's where I was going to learn. The surgery, yes, I had to learn, but what really mattered was I visited everyone's practice in the community and even people in like New Hampshire. I looked for the best practices and I spent time with them. And, you know, like me, when someone comes, I'll share anything with you guys. If you, if you come and visit me, I, I, you're probably the same way. We're an open book. I want to help others that are interested. Getting someone that's interested is the hardest part, you know? And then, so I have residents come through and I share these things and they don't realize the pearls many times that I'm giving them. Like, you guys want my presentations? You guys want these things? Uh, you know, no, it's okay. Like, okay. But then once in a while, there's one that's interested. So I was visiting this gentleman in New Hampshire, visiting his practice. And I said, you know, we should do presentations for our patients. Uh, you know, we just don't have time for that. And that's what they said. Um, and my practice is totally revolutionized since I started to do presentations. And we can go a little bit down that a little bit later if you want me to explain the how. And this is one thing, you know, Chad, when we start new things that are kind of industry transformers, it's going to suck in the beginning. And it always sucks in the beginning. And it's going to be horrible in the beginning. And you have to be able to push through the original poor quality, keep doing it, and it'll get better and better and better. And this is something I learned in Strategic Coach. It's something called an experience transformer. Uh, basically, it's how you think. It's a thinking process. So you look at, you look at, let's say, my first presentation I did. I looked at it like what worked, what didn't work, what could I do different, and what are the actions. So everything I'm doing, I do that every single day for everything that I do. What worked, what didn't work, what can I do different? So the first presentation was on Google Slides. Then I paid someone on Fiverr to do it. Then I recorded it as a video. Then I put it into a book. Then I did that. You know, I'm just keep on improving that one little focus until it, and everyone looks at the final product. They're like, there's no way I could do that. Well, it, it doesn't start like that. Don't compare my final product to where you're at. You know, start where you're at, go slow, work on your confidence and your attitude and you'll kind of slowly go there or pay someone to do it, which is what I do now. It's just a lot easier to do it that way. Great. Uh, so it sounds like what I heard there was grit. Right. You, you, you work through it. You uh, the same questions that you were asking yourself, Don, as I went through the same process. And it was funny that you said about don't give away our best stuff. I remember when I started posting videos on YouTube of exercises for patients. And I so if you came in and you said, hey, you know, we're done for back pain. Can you give me three exercises for back pain on that Friday? I would just record like I know you're not going to do 20 exercises the rest of your life, but I might be able to help you do three. So I would record three videos, I would post it for you. And a couple of those videos went viral. And uh, I had colleagues reach out and they said, why would you, if you just post all these exercises for free, no patients are ever gonna come in. And the exact opposite happened where we had patients, you know, come in, travel in from all over. Can you talk for a second about what the marketing, um, you know, what the speaking engagements, what the book, what, everything else that you've done, the videos that you've done, the podcast that you've done, what that has done for your practice. So for, for practice, the first thing people are always uh, concerned about making it perfect when you start. So my word to you is today, if you figure out what medium you like, for me, video is easiest. And then I can transfer that to podcast. I, I don't like to blog extensively. I don't like to write extensively. I like video. Figure out that media. If it's video, open a YouTube channel and start doing videos today. That's all I would recommend. They're going to be bad, but all the it's like earnings I have are from the ones I started 15 years ago. And then my confidence was affected and I stopped for about 10 years and then I started up again. But all the revenue comes from those old ones. They're just the really bad ones that I did in my in my room with some of these dome lights I bought. 
and uh, they're on wounds because I thought I wanted to be the wound king. But so the first thing I would say is do it, start it. And the other mistake I made is be consistent. It's better to, to do one a week and have them scheduled out than it is to do 50, 50 days in a row and never do anything else. So being really consistent and then figure out a pattern. I'm, I'm a big habit stacker, Atomic Habits, these books. So figure out when it fits in. I, I do my recording on Mondays for my podiatrists and then I, and I do it during the week once a month and I use something called Todoist and it reminds me uh, once a month to record. I do one video a month now on a new diagnosis. That's how I do it uh, for my patients. So I'm always, and I'm always perfecting it. So um, I, is that kind of explain kind of what my process is and the, Oh yeah, that's great. The, the, the thing that resonated the most is uh, you had talked about uh, consistency and also realizing that in the beginning, it's not going to be perfect, which as clinicians and healthcare professionals, typically we want it to be perfect day one. And if I'm watching you do videos, exactly what you said, you nailed it there. The uh, really good um, episode recently, uh, Mr. Beast, who's a has a hundred million subscribers or whatever on YouTube, one of the most popular uh, YouTube content creators. And he's only 23, 24, 25 years old now, but he talked about when he was 15, just cranking out videos every single day and all the learning process that he went through there. It's the same exact thing with any sort of content creation, whether we're writing or recording, you have to be willing to go through that learning process and get better and ask ourselves the right questions. What, I, what did I do well? What could I do better? Creating an action list and, and executing that. Love that. Um, very cool. So the, you, did you become the wound King or did you I did, transition I, I, I to something realized else? I, I was once again doing it because my partner thought I should do that. And I really wasn't interested in it. So I just refer wounds out now. Um, difficult wounds. We take care of some wounds in that. It just, I'm not interested in it. Okay. I wasn't so what is your, what are you known for now? The most? So what I'm, what I'm known for now is like cosmetic nail things. There's something called carry flex, which makes a nail look good. Uh, uh, Ani fix, which takes care of ingrown toenails. We do. Uh, and then a lot of it has been the regenerative tissue stuff. That's really Im important right now with Achilles. So the, basically the th same things we see is Achilles tendonitis and plantar fasciitis. Those are the two things that I kind of dealt, like they talk about diving deep into certain niches. Mm -hmm. And so those were the niches that I found that, that I enjoyed treating. And I'll explain why. Um, they're complex, like they're not really easy. And, and, and I always tried, to, and I learned this, all this probably self-help stuff, but you take something that you're really bad at, that's really complex and you try to make it easy. And so I kept on trying to figure out a way to make it easy. And, and that's where these presentations came up. Now I have this wonderful presentation for both plantar fasciitis and Achilles tendonitis and patients come in and they're like, wow, I've never seen a doctor so, so prepared. And they're, they're just ready to do anything that you that, that is good for them to do, but you're so good at explaining it and uh, kind of pre-framing them before they come in and things like that. Yeah, in the presentations that I watched, and I think I shared, I watched the one on toenail fungus, uh, which is pretty complex. Um, you did an amazing job of breaking it down into, even when you use a more technical term, you'll explain exactly what it is in lay in lay language. And how did, you, how did you develop that skill? Did you always have that? Or is that something that you put a concerted effort into over time? I, I, so I, I've, I, if I could do one thing, I probably would have been a, a public speaker. I wanted to be a motivation. I, all my best friends in high school were actually motivational speakers. You know, kind of like Zig Ziglar, you try to get friends with them. They were friends. I sent letters to them. Yep. And I just liked those types of people. 
And in terms of speaking, I've, I've actually had a, uh, someone else recommended it. So I started a local television program called Healthy Living in Town. And I did that for a number of years. I used to do it live at the studio. That's might have been some of the videos you watched at an actual studio. Then later it was Zoom. It's so much easier to do it with Zoom. And so I just do it kind of like what we're doing now. But in, in terms of speaking, I, I always, even with patients, I like to simplify it. So I think it's something that comes natural. I, I don't use Dr. Ease when I talk, but I, I really, I think my one thing, if I could do one thing all day long, it would be teach. I just mm-hmm. really enjoy connecting and helping and teaching patients. And uh, that's kind of my passion that what we call in strategic coach, my unique ability. And that's what I do, whatever I'm doing, whether it be in church, whether it be with doctors, whether it be with uh, at work. So with your seminars, your, your presentations, how are you using those? Are they all pre-recorded? Do you have them online? Are you doing them live in various places? How are you, how are you working with presentations? Yeah. So, so basically, if you guys think about, I'll, I'll kind of explain kind of the backstory behind it. So if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll tell my, my first backstory was kind of a difficult one. Um, so I was, I was sued. I was sued. And uh, because I, I removed a sesamoid on a patient and they said there wasn't a very good pre-surgical discussion. And there were other things that we don't have to go into detail and it all kind of ended up working out. But whenever something like that happens, that gives us a lot of energy, either good energy or bad energy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what I looked at is like, well, if I could do that over again, what would I do different? And that's the only way you can take actual control of your life at looking, well, how can I transform that? What, what happened in that? That was good for me. How can it make me a better person? And I thought, well, if I could do it over again, I would make a, a presentation that would go over all the pre-surgical conditions and like the complications of avascular necrosis or infection or DVT or things like that. And I talk about when they come into the office and, and I would do this 30 days prior on the same day I get consent. Okay. And so I, I made, that was my first presentation. And so all my surgeries now I used to do this 30 days before and it, and it is cool with Google slides. You can just constantly update it. So whenever someone had a different question, I added it. When they asked me something, I added it. So it's constantly being perfected. That's something I like to do. And then all of a sudden I was like, I really like doing these. And then I, I was seeing patients for plantar fasciitis. And I was like, you know what? If I have five minutes, they're getting my five minute plantar fasciitis talk. If I got 20 minutes, they're getting my 20 minute plantar fasciitis talk. And it was always how much time I explained things to patients was dependent on how much time I had. And a lot of us as clinicians, we're guilty of that. If we're running, if we're running three patients behind, you're, you're, you're not, you're going to say, well, what you need is a cortisone injection and that's it because you're so far behind. And I thought, well, if I could do it over again, and, and if I could be m- more precise, what would I do? Well, I, I said, I would do a presentation. So my first rendition, I made another Google slide on plantar fasciitis. And you know, I see a lot of this stuff, maybe up to five or six, seven times a day. And it really gets good. So every day I was using that same presentation. Now in the beginning, it took me like 30 minutes. And, I'm, and, and, and so that's, you can't, that's not sustainable. But then I, I kind of divvied it up. And then I came up on this idea I was like, well, how could I even make this better? Well, then I developed the plantar fasciitis checklist. And this was cool. This is what you guys call protocols. And I had my own protocols right there. And, and now every, that plantar fasciitis, I had this checklist. And then I'm like, well, what do you do the first visit? So then I started putting little asterisks by the first visit. Cause that's where I spend most of the time. So I'm like, well, the first visit, we're going to do these things, first protocol. And then where it really becomes elegant is let's say they come in five or six times later. I'm frustrated. I get stuck in the nail groove. That's what we call it in podiatry. I kind of, I'm going down the same route. I'm frustrated. And what's, what's refreshing is I pull up that slide of the checklist 
And I'm like, well, let's look at this. And the patient will ask me, they'll say, well, you know, I haven't tried a walking boot yet. I haven't tried an MRI yet. I haven't tried an ankle foot orthotic yet. And they were asking me for these high level items that either I, or I haven't tried an orthotic yet. And they're asking me to do these things because they're on that list. And, and all of a sudden, this was a game changer for me, and which I call the plantar, whatever, neuroma checklist, plantar fasciitis checklist, posterior tibia tendon dysfunction checklist. And then I included regenerative medicine in there as well. And I, and I showed a picture of the shockwave and other types of stuff that we're doing, amnio, PRP, we used to do that. Um, and so what I, what I also found is then it increased the value of my, what we call the per visit value with my patients. But then I got busy and I still am busy. And I was thinking, well, how can I make this even better? And then I was thinking, well, I kind of like recording these and I had some of these recorded. And so what I do is I took a little iPad and I used to record these on YouTube and I, and I took this iPad and uh, I, I put them on the iPad. And afterwards, I just put it on my website and I just opened up one website. So if you want to look at it, it's drpelta.com slash presentations. And those are all my patient presentation videos. And so when I'm running behind, what do I do? I say, Mrs. Jones, you know, nice to see you. I can see you have plantar fasciitis. And they tell me and I listen to them. And then um, I say, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like you to watch this little, little video. And it's about an eight minute video. And I can do one of two things. I can either leave and see another patient or I can do all that dreaded documentation that I have to do while they're listening to it. I can document their x-ray findings, all of the, everything else that I need to document during that eight minutes. And then when they finish, it stops on the checklist and I say, okay. And I pull up the checklist on my computer and say, okay, where are we going to go from here? So, and then it's, it's just improved since then. So with the videos, then, then I, I, I send those to my patients afterwards, the same video, I send them a link um, via something called patienteducationgenius.com. And what that is, it's a way to send patient education. It documents it in my EMR. But then it also does another thing. So it sends them a link to the, whatever, the plantar fasciitis page on my website, foam rolling exercises, and my Amazon referral link to Amazon stuff they might want to buy. But then it also asks every single one automated with a chat bot and giving us an online review. So the benefit to patient education genius isn't the patient education. It's the, it's the online review. That's how we, and then when they come to our office, we have 2000 reviews. Everyone else has 20. Who are they going to go see? Right. They're going to go see us because of the 2000. So that, that's how I use it. And then from there, I also developed a, a script pad because I realized patients couldn't really remember what I talked about and I overwhelmed them a little bit. So I gave them a copy, but then I have a little prescription and I write down, this is what we talked about and this is what you're going to do. And I give them that. And so it just, I keep, and it'll probably be, if you talk to me in a couple of years, it'll even be better. But so I've done that for everything that I treat. Nice. So you have your checklist, your protocols, your patient education, that's how you're using the information uh, within your practice. Are you using that at all outside of the practice to attract other patients other than the patient experience? Yeah, so, so I use Kajabi for my website. And um, so I have a, a professional website, which is Central Mass Podiatry, which is by Patient Pop. So they're good at getting reviews. I don't have much leeway to edit that one. So I made my own kind of blog. It was called Dr. Pelto. And that's the one, it's a kind of a marketing machine. That's where I send out my my emails. And in there, so I have what, you got, what we call lead magnets. So all my books that are there, they, they get their email and it sends them a sequence, whether it be on plantar fasciitis and things like that. And these are the same things. Th that same webpage I'm sending my actual patients to is that page. So they're going to get into my opt-in in my, in my lead magnet. And I'm giving them either a book or there's a video and there's other types of things in there. Uh, and patients are coming out of patient contact me from like Virginia, they wanted to come in for an ingrown toenail. And I, I said, well, my ingrown toenail isn't any better than the other guys in Virginia, but they think it is. 
So, so did they come? So I, you know, they wanted a special, <laughs> they wanted a specific procedure. And I told them, I told them they didn't, I didn't want to do it because I, I did this weird video and they watched the video. And so that's what I get now. People reach out to me from Africa and they said, yeah. you know, I, I have a wound, you know, and they send me this in. in so I'll, I'll go through, if you want a little bit of how I deal with all these um, comments. So people comment in Google, right? Google, my business, they're giving me a review in WebMD, in YouTube, in Yelp. So once a month, I'm structured, it pops up in Todoist once a month, all those links, and I click them and I reply to all of them once a month. I do everything monthly. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, we've had travelers already, and uh, usually it's for failed treatment. The, my, my guess is the person, you said they were in Virginia. So what's that, about an eight-hour drive? Yeah. Um, yeah, that they likely failed treatment and before they had a bad podiatry experience in Virginia, something like that. So usually what we'll do is we'll say, we have a network of clinicians. We can help you get care where you're at, or you can travel in. When are you going to be traveling to Harrisburg? By the way, nobody ever travels to Harrisburg. <laughs> so, uh, but occasionally somebody would, you know, rather travel in and we would figure it out and accommodate them either way, regardless of what they wanted to do. But that's great that you're talking about the power of patient education. Um, and yeah, love what you're doing there. What are you studying today? Like what's the next marketing? Uh, what's next on the marketing horizon for you as you're looking at, you know, evolving your practice and uh, going down the deeper into the marketing yeah. wormhole? Yeah. There's, there's a, I, I, the, the, the area that I feel weakest right now is my email writing. And, and I see the importance of doing what, what Dan Kennedy calls personality in your copy. And I, um, and so I've been, uh, I've been subscribed to him for a while. So I get his, now it's Russell Brunson's one. Right. And, uh, and so I, there's a good book I read recently. I think it was called like writing emails that don't suck. And, uh, and it was a really good book. It's about adding personality to your copy. And so let me tell you my new workflow. You're going to, if you like workflows, this is my new workflow. Uh, every Monday, my email is based on an experience, a story that I tell the previous week to all my patients. So I hone, I'm, a, I'm kind of like a honer. So all last week I was talking about how I was duped by my staff with the April Fool's joke. So what happened is they, um, they had a patient. So I, I do routine care on Fridays. I see all my old people. On block. So once again, if you want to talk about certain things you don't like to do, but you have to do for me, for us, it's like routine care. And so what we do is we block is di them all like diabetics, diabetic male care, callus yeah. care, ulcers. I block them all on Fridays. So I limits my availability, number one. And so, and then you can double book them because they're real quick and they like to chat with each other, but they talk to one of my patients, second patient of the day, and he comes in. And, uh, and I sit there and I have a student rotating. I have a nail technician. She's doing a training thing with me. And I go in there and all I can do is smell the stench of the room. And it smells like poop. And uh, I look on the chair right where he's at. And there's a little uh, bucket of, of poo sitting there. And, and I thought he was, I'm from Minnesota. I'm nice. I, I don't speak bad. Like my, my colleagues would have said, what are you doing bringing your you know, stuff in here? Yeah. And I don't say that. And I was all professional. I did his calluses and he asked, Hey doc, um, before we begin doing these calluses, would you, would you mind um, giving me your opinion here? I, I, cause I have to bring, there's a hospital next to our office. I have to bring this to the hospital as a stool sample. Um, would you, would you mind if you checked it out? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how to do, I don't know how to, I don't know what to look at. I haven't done it. You know, <laughs> I've never done this. I did his calluses and I got out of there and I was just laughing. And I was thinking to myself, that's a great story. 
then I realized it was an April Fool's joke. Nice. And, and what was even worse is they got, they got cons- video consent because we have these consent forms and they recorded it with someone's cell phone. And, uh, and so anyway, I told that story all last week. And then Monday, I, that's my story. This week I wrote about it. This week, my story is about my, my, my daughter. And uh, I don't, once again, when I do storytelling in my emails, I, I don't talk about my names of my daughter or my wife, but I use them as per, I talk about mine just to, for, you know, I don't think it's uh, appropriate. And, but anyway, they, they vomited two, two nights in a row and uh, they were ill and things like that. But the funny thing is, is we, we've done something since they were young. It's called, what are the, uh, Dan Sullivan calls it uh, the positive focus. But basically I asked them, what are the three good things that happened to you today? So we do that every day with our kids. What are the three good things that happened every single day? And this cute, she woke up, it was three in the morning. She said, dad. And she's like, has like vomit dripping out of her hair. She says, dad, at least I didn't vomit on the floor like I did last night. <laughs> so she was, she was positive about that. And so then I'll, so I, I, I do an intro to the email, tell that little story that'll be next Monday. And then, then I'll talk about what I'm talking about to the podiatrists. So that's kind of how I'm including it. And I learned this from someone else. This was my idea, this guy named Bobby. So that's for me, I'm, I'm learning to do personality in my email. That's one thing. And the other thing is courses. With Kajabi, I can make online courses. I made one course called 14 Days to Pain-Free Plantar Fasciitis. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there are some legs there you know, confessing, I feel very insecure. That's, it's a hard area to get into like direct response and learning how to sell my books. I'm very good at giving stuff away. I'm not the best. And I would love to learn how to sell more like my books than to the course, than to something else. And I, and even then teaching this to other podiatrists. So I have another thing within podiatry practice mastery, which is where I teach podiatrists, but it's, it's hard because I'm working full time. So I'm, I'm having to outsource this to Fiverr and to uh, fancy hands and other delegation services to get these things. Cause I'm still humping it every day. So. Great. So I want to take a step back. What was in the bucket Don? Oh, it's fake poop. So, okay, okay. <laughs> so, so my, my, my office manager, oh. she's, she's a jokester and she got this fake poop and they got the spray stuff you can spray in it. And it looked just like poop, but it was just the fake stuff. Okay. I, I right. thought it was real. I thought it was real and it smelled like it. Okay. All right. So uh, yeah, that was a good open loop. Uh, it definitely helped my curiosity there. Great. Um, so you mentioned you had a family uh, growing up. I believe you were an Eagle Scout um, yeah. and you definitely got, you know, that uh, instilled some values in you. Can you talk about that experience? Uh, anything unique that happened out of that or your involvement yeah. today or anything there? Yeah, I was, um, once again, I think we all kind of, all of us have kind of a dysfunctional background. Uh, my mom was divorced a couple of times and uh, I think I radiated towards um, magic um, and juggle. I did magic. I did juggling all these things because I was the only child. And so I needed something to keep myself busy. I lived in the library. That's where I'm, I, and, and to this day, I do two audible books a month. I'm always at the library, always with my Kindle. I'm always learning in my car, you know, whatever book it is. I'm always on something else that's new. Uh, but uh then the, go back to the question what was the question again i always get distracted here what, eagle scout oh, the eagle scout so then when when i was in my mom was raising me so i went to the boy scouts and um those were the where i had my male role models and so during during boy scouts and, and i have something and I, I didn't know about this before it's called high follow through and um like meaning i can't go to bed if the dishes aren't done i can't and my desk has to be clean. We, I have this high follow through type of, and so with Eagle Scout, it was just naturally that I was going to finish. It wasn't a question if I, if I wasn't, but it instilled a lot of good values. 
um, back in, in those days. And it was like kind of a community and it was fun. I wasn't very good at sports, but I liked uh, to do Boy Scouts. And, and then that gave me kind of the impetus to be an exchange student because all the self-help books I read, they talk about valuing experiences versus financial gains. And I'm still that way. I'm, it doesn't inspire me to make, I'm, I, that, that maybe is a mental thing for me, but for me, money, I have plenty, but I enjoy more experiences and helping others and things like that. So I think that could be from the Boy Scouts and things like that. Cool. What, what was the latest book that really resonated with your, grabs your attention? Well, the one that didn't grab it was Mastery. Okay. Uh, there was Robert Green. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, I, that's a tough read. Yeah. I couldn't make it through the, the 10 hours. So I'm going to return that. Um, and then I was, I was, I'm reading some of the old Napoleon Hill stuff, some of, nice. of his old, not just the Think and Grow Rich, but all the other stuff. Um, I like Earl Nightingale. Um, I have a lot of, a lot of different books. Um, um, think fast, think slow. Um, Atomic Habits, I read two or three times. James Clear. Yeah. Um, Norman Vincent Peale, I, I read that pretty much more every morning. I keep going through certain books over and over again. And uh, I just, I have to, I work on my mindset. Yeah, Napoleon Hill had like a 15 volume or 17 volume course originally. I think it was called The Law of Success. That was uh, both my partner in the PT practice and I had read that maybe 10 years ago and that I thought was even better than Think and Grow Rich hmm. or some of his other works. So uh, if you haven't checked that Thank out, that, that's a good one. That's a, that's a winner. Um, so Eagle Scout, uh, do you have a favorite history book since I know you have a history degree? Uh, one you go to yeah there's not a specific one i studied the history of medicine because i knew i was pre-med so and the question is why i did history right yeah. uh i did history because they told me to do a non-science major in case i didn't get into medical school and that's why i chose history and i also chose it because i wasn't a, once again it's back to what i was reading in those days um i wasn't very good at writing and i said well if i'm not really good at writing um, I need to get good at. And the only way to do that is to do like a, either English or history and history made me write a whole bunch to build my confidence writing. And that's why I did that. So I wasn't, there's not specific books. Um, I, I, I'm reading, I was reading the, the history. Um, what's it, what's it by, I'll look it up right here. The Loker book. I know history of, uh, healthcare the, the, in the United States yeah. is Loker. The lessons of history by Will Durant. And Eric oh yeah. Durant. Will so and Eric. Yeah. That's the one I'm, I'm listening to right now. Great. They have a, I, I actually have their full, they have a 12 volume set as well. It is, each volume is like a thousand pages. It's, I, I would love to say that I read it. I bought it. It's in a box. I never opened the box. Uh, I don't think I'll ever get to it. It's, it's pretty heavy. Uh, that's great. So we talked about Brazil, Worcester. Um, what's your best magic trick? Oh man. Or your favorite one to do? Yeah. So, well, the, the, the favorite one lately is, um, and, and I, I'm a, I'm a jokester. Uh, so in, in our office, we, 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 we have a couple of systems to call our staff. Okay. And one of the systems it used to be is we opened up the door and the staff would see it cracked and they would come and see what we needed. And sometimes patients thought that was cool. Well, our staff moved the x-ray machine and now they're hidden. So they can't see me crack the door anymore. And so what you do is you crack it and then slam it, crack it and slam it. And so we figured out a better way. We have these little, little, little circular dots, kind of like I fall in and I can't get up. Mm -hmm. And so they're hidden, they're hidden. And so what I do when I have patients there, I'm saying, I want to show you a magic trick. I'm going to show you the, the magic knock. And I just do an air knock and my yeah. staff come running and they, and they open the door and they say, how did you do that? So I, use, I have a little buzzer 
but uh, I do a lot of coin magic. I do card magic. There's this cool one you can buy it for an app for your cell phone. It's called like coin in, in, in cell phone and you take a quarter and it, and it actually shows it on the screen and then you pull the corner and there's another one called print card. This is cool for marketing. You actually have this thing where it prints one of your business cards and it appears on your screen and then you have it underneath your phone. And so when you pull it off the screen, it disappears, but it, your, your card appears. And so it's a cool way to give your card. Now, here's a really kind of, this is probably inappropriate, but I'm going to tell you. Okay. So I was, I was getting this. We have two kids. And we didn't know any more kids, right? And there was this local doctor and we were doing a vasectomy, okay? He was a magician. So I didn't even know that the time went by. We were just talking about magic tricks the whole time. So there's another, another Eurosurgeon and we're, we're, we're talking magic tricks the whole time here in town in Worcester. So anyway, nice. it was, I like magic. And so if you, if you have any magic tricks, let me know. And uh, I, I, love, I love doing them. I was Ven, somebody gifted me as Bengali deck, uh, uh-huh. a business associate from uh, Australia, John Lovar, who's been on the podcast. And uh, yeah, he gave me this. So it's pretty slick. The trick is what, when you ruffle through the deck one way, looks like a standard deck. When you do it the other way, all the it'll same. be all seven of diamonds. I think my deck is seven of diamonds. But uh, that's, uh, that's a fun one. We, we, we have a lot of kids and a couple of them are into magic. And uh, I, I have a, our nine-year-old can do the disappearing pencil um, where he's, he snaps it and it, it goes back to his wrist and it is, uh, it's pretty slick. The problem is every time we go out to eat, you know, if we're at Red Robin or something like that, he wants to do it for the waitress or everybody else who's around. So he does this one trick all the time, but uh, we, yeah, so my, so my we daughter, have fun with it. My, my daughter, so she, I think my daughter, the firstborn, I don't know if you've noticed it, but the firstborn really wants to please you or please sure. the parents. And so she like, she's mastering a Rubik's cube. She knows how to juggle. She knows how to do hula hoop, like all these things, like these hard dexterity, because I kind of like those things too. We learned during the pandemic, I've always wanted to do this. We learned how to do balloon animals. So we bought like 500 balloon animals, you know, the balloons, and we learned how to do balloon animals. So we're always trying something entertaining and I'm teaching them to be entrepreneurs. I'm like, you guys got to, you know, figure out something here so you don't have to work as hard. Yeah, that's great. Love it, Don. Well, um, if our listeners are interested in learning more about you or following you, what's the best way for them to find you? So there's, if you want to learn about, just see kind of how I market to my own patients, you could go to drpelto.com. That's where my podiatry specific site is. And there's a, a YouTube, there's YouTube links to my YouTube. If you want to see, once again, I have 13,000 uh, subscribers. That took a long time, guys. It, it's not quick and I don't make a ton on it, but I, I enjoy doing it. If you want to learn more about my marketing stuff, uh, you can go to podiatrypracticemastery.com. Now it's not podiatry specific, they're just marketing principles. And there's something called a 30 day practice blueprint. And uh, for 30 days, you'll get one like lesson, one of these courses, one lesson a week, and all that's free for people if they want to join it. And, you know, I'd give, I think just like you, Chad, get to do anything for free. If people are motivated and are willing to do something. So I put it out there. I'm amazed at how many people, and because you can manage their progress, people just don't do it. So if you're, if you're doing it, and if you have questions, you want to learn more, reach out to me. I'm happy to share and teach. And in there, I also give two of my best presentations, my one on plantar fasciitis and then one on the surgery. Uh, and then uh, just kind of as an added bonus, I don't know if you remember um, Patty Lund. Do you remember Patty? Just the name. He yeah. was a dentist. He was a dentist in, um, in another country. And he had this cool presentation where he sat his patients down and he, um, before he met them and he had tea with them and kind of wooed them. And I, and I, and I, that was my most recent presentation I've made. I call it a welcome to the practice presentation. 
and uh, if you go to my in my YouTube, you can see it. But what I do in there is I pre-frame them, and I say, you know, what you can expect from me. We're going to be friends. You're going to get good care. All this, and what I'm going to expect from you. You know, you're going to do this and this, and then at the end, I say you're going to refer to other people of equal quality, and you are going to give me an online review if you're pleased with my. So I'm pre-framing them for getting online reviews and sending their friends. And when I do that, the referrals come a lot quicker because they're pre-framed. And, I, and this is kind of like our agreement. And I'll say in the future, I'll give you an opportunity to do that. And if you want to see something else really cool, go to drpelter.com slash reviews, because that's how I ask for my reviews. And I actually have it lined up for, I explain to my patients, thank you for giving me online review. This is what I'd like it to say. Here's a format. Here's where you can review. I put five links for different review places. So I say, write it on Word and copy and paste into each one of these. And then also there's a, a widget where it shows tons of reviews from my Google review so they can see others' examples. So mm -hmm. if that would be one thing that you guys could focus on would every single patient, when they're pleased, you could say, you know, Mrs. Jones, out of curiosity, can I ask you a favor? Yeah. You know, if you had a good, if you had a good experience, do you mind if I send you a little link to do an online review? Like that in of itself, is going to make your your practice explode so great love it and uh that was my my final thing was uh any other parting words of advice but i think you gave us all a nugget there so thanks Chad. uh dr pelto thank you so much for being here don this was great um we will drop those the links uh the dr belt uh drpelto.com and also the practice mastery links um in the, the show notes here but thank you so much for doing this don taking time out of your busy day to spend some time here with us it was great thanks chad thank you remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth while you're there make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market again thank you for tuning into the grow your practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.